thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work, and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome to episode 27 of Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are so excited every week to bring you the best information we can about how to create an amazing life, empowering women through knowledge, learning, and understanding of your bodies and of the services and the things that are available to you to create an exceptional life on so many levels. Today, we are hitting a huge topic and it's so controversial, so we were a bit uh, cautious about which angle we took on this one, but we're going to talk everything about birth control pills, hormones, synthetic hormones, and of course the big one is the pill itself and uh, any form of oral contraceptive as well. Andrea, give us an insight. What are we going to go through and why is this controversial? Um, All right, let's just give some uh, definitions pretty much. Uh, We're going to talk about the pill and when we say the pill, we mean any kind of form of synthetic uh, hormonal birth control. So we're grouping into this category for the purpose of this episode. Uh, any of the implanon, the implants, the depot, the um, pills, either the the estrogen, progesterone, or combination pills. We're talking about the Marina um, or any of the IUDs that are hormonally based. Uh, so anything that is going to change your ovulation or prevent pregnancy from a hormonal perspective that includes synthetic hormones. That's what we're grouping into today, okay? But the big one, of course, is the oral contraceptive pill, the birth control pill. Um, This is a big, big topic. Um, It's used so pervasively worldwide. Um, Every woman knows about it. I have actually never taken hormonal contraception, and I think that I am the only woman I know who can state that. Every other woman that I've come into contact with has. Um, You know, I think I'm pretty lucky in that sense. Uh, And the reason that this topic is so controversial is because when the pill came into its existence, it came from, you know, such a positive uh, place. You know, this was the time of the women's feminine liberation and movement into power. And it certainly gave women options, which is incredible. And actually, I'm going to get you to talk about the history in just a second, uh, because it's pretty amazing how it came about. But there's a but, and the but is the way it's used today. So we'll come to that. Um, but can you give us some insight into how the pill came about? Absolutely. I was so fascinated with the pill because um, right from when I know one of the women that Andrea knows that has been on oral contraceptives, and it started when I was 17. And like a lot of you guys listening, I'm ladies listening, I should say, um, I'm sure you've had a similar experience that at some point when you were younger, you went to a doctor for possibly symptoms surrounding your menstrual cycles. It may have been skin problems. It may have been, you know, uncomfortable, painful periods. It could have been a whole lot of side effects, severe PMS that your parents just couldn't deal with and knew something was wrong, but the doctor gave the answer and now the pill was the, the fix-all, cover-all for all the hormonal dysfunction of a teenager. And that's when I was put on it too, because I hadn't had irregular cycles. Oh, I had irregular cycles, I should say. So I'd never had a regular cycle and also was having some skin problems as well. So it was kind of like, well, at that stage in my life, it wasn't a contraceptive purpose that I was there for. It was actually there for so 
side effects of any regular menstrual cycle. So, and that's so common. And that's so what common. I hear most in practice as well. When you trace back through a woman's hormonal history, they'll usually state that they'll start um, cycling, you know, in their early teenage years. Initially, they might have had a little bit of irregularity, which is really normal at that age, maybe a little bit of cramping. Uh, There might have been a couple little deficiencies there, which again is really, really common in this day and age for women, but very easily addressed. Uh, And they might have had a little bit of hormonal acne. And of course, as a teenager, no women um, want want spots on your face. Mm -hmm. And so off they trot to the doctor. And the first thing that happens, you know, I... Like my flag in the sand here right now, I would be, you'd be very hard pressed to find a doctor that wouldn't do this and then prescribe the pill because it is the, and I'm saying this quote unquote, the, the miracle pill for everything. It is. Um, and it's revolutionized women's well-being in the 20th century. It's considered one of the greatest inventions in the 20th century. And let's go back to where it started because I really want to understand how we got to a point where it's become such a common day-to-day Discussion that we—it's actually not even discussion. It's just an assumption that women go on the pill in order to address women's hormonal problems. And for so many women, it's been a lifesaver because there's been some horrendous side effects with their menstrual cycles that have only been able to solve and address with the use of the pill. However, I still challenge the notion that it may not be addressing the underlying cause. Again, it's a band-aid effect for the irregular cycle or the irregular hormonal function. So, so how did it come about? Yeah, and let's talk. 1950s America. So that's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. And it was a post-war era. I mean, you know of the baby boomer era. This is when post-war, a lot of reproduction happening. However, women were having many, many births, many pregnancies. Um, Sadly, women were still considered property of the man through marriage. So a lot of women, whilst they didn't want to give their bodies away to another pregnancy, the high sexual drive of their husbands meant that they were inevitably going to fall pregnant again because there wasn't a great deal of discussion about contraception because in 30 states of America at that time in the 50s, it was illegal to have a contraception, you know, through reasons of morality and ethical reasons and the church. Um, going back to religious foundations. So let's, moving, let's moving. just look at the climate, though, at yeah. that time. So this is post-World War II. This is after the Depression. Um, the health state of so many people then wouldn't have been the greatest anyway. No, under-thriving babies. Exactly, under-thriving women. So there wouldn't have been a lot of you know really healthy, hormonally balanced women at that time anyway. The massive amounts of stress is having their husbands away you know, during World War II. And coming back traumatised yeah, and exactly. dealing with dysfunctional relationships that came from men suffering PTSD which we now call it but back then it was just post-war and you got on with life and so there was women out there who were believing in this movement of women for for freedom liberty and also sexual freedom as well that it was a decision that people didn't want unwanted they didn't want to fall pregnant and trying to prevent unwanted pregnancies came down to a very wealthy woman and you know a, a clever scientist. And there was a group of four that came together between a, a financial investor, some clever scientists who had been ostracised because their beliefs in terms of um, population growth and trying to stem population growth, and of course women who wanted sexual freedom without the risks of pregnancy. And they came together, and the long story short, by the mid to late 1950s, we had the very first progesterone pill Mm -hmm. and this is when they started to do some trials on women aside from the horrendous side effects because they were giving women around 10 milligrams of progesterone which is just 
enormous by today's standards and the side effects are horrendous um, but a lot of women found the side effects much more desirable than the unwanted pregnancies and so they were willing to compromise their health status because the other sacrifice would be to fall pregnant and go through sometimes the social uh, discrimination that happened you know unwanted pregnancies outside wedlock outside marriage all that sort of stuff so this is how it all started and the FDA approved the progesterone pill on the grounds that it was to treat hormonal disorders, mm-hmm. treat menstrual disorders, and it was never passed as a contraception. It wasn't passed as a birth control method. It's that was how they got around the issues regarding the morality and the um, deal, deal with the church and the intertwine of politics and church and all the rest of that time. Go to the end of the 50s and they passed another FDA approval for the title to be a birth control pill. And by that stage, the climate had changed a little bit. Women across the globe were demanding this miracle pill that stopped them falling pregnant, and and so it began. And since then, it's continued to evolve as a cover-all for menstrual irregularity. Exactly. So fast forward to nowadays, mm. uh, the pill is used for, and if we think to what it was originally designed for, it was designed for contraception. However, nowadays, it is cited as the best thing to balance your hormones, to give you regular cycles, to stop uh, you know, irregular bleeding, heavy bleeding, pain, discomfort, acne, um, breast tenderness, any sort of uh, premenstrual type uh, symptoms as well. Um, it should obviously prevent pregnancy. What else has it been uh, cited as, as being positive for acne? Um, emotional uh, issues even it is used for women who have fertility issues which i find just astounding so women who have pre-existing hormonal imbalances who are trying to conceive they are given all sorts of different combinations of the oral contraceptive pill to try and stimulate bits and pieces to try and you know quote unquote fix the underlying imbalances. And let's talk about that fix because this is where, you know, as the wellness women we are, we believe in using natural methods wherever possible to overcome the health challenges experience and first and foremost, nature first and then involve the incredible medical technology and the scientific advances that allow us to get to where we are today. We disagree though that taking a synthetic hormone has a genuinely beneficial impact on your natural cycle. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think that using a synthetic uh, pill or any kind of hormonal birth control method to balance or fix your cycle is the biggest myth in the world. It doesn't fix anything. It halts your own hormonal production adds in these synthetic hormones and remember we've talked about this many many times when the synthetic hormones in the body your little cellular receptors cannot tell the difference between the chemical version or the synthetic version or your own body's production of that so if you're on the pill for 10 years there's no need for your body to produce those hormones itself yeah because your poor pituitary gland and the um, in that cascade of hormone uh producers it's effectively convincing your pituitary gland that you're pregnant and so then you go on this cycle where you're pregnant and then you go on to the placebo effect and you've had this, you know, placebo that then your estrogen levels drop, suddenly your body menstruates and it's considered normal. And it's but actually it's, not. It's not even it's a, a period. It's a withdrawal symptom. It is a hormone withdrawal bleed that you experience uh, when you're on that pill. So it's, it's not a period at all. So let's talk about how it works. So... 
um, the estrogen dominant pills stop the pituitary gland, which is your master endocrine crying gland uh, that sits up in, in the middle of your brain there, from producing follicular stimulating hormone or FSH and luteinizing hormone to prevent ovulation. And then the synthetic progesterone stop the pituitary gland from producing the luteinizing hormone, so it prevents the egg release from the ovary. Uh, it can also make the uterine lining inhospitable to a fertilized egg uh, and also acts to thicken the cervical mucus that immobilizes or hinders the sperm movement to actually get to the uterus in the first place. So one of the things that women forget is that when you're affecting ovulation, you're actually affecting your brain because ovulation is controlled by the pituitary gland and its effect on the ovaries, not just your ovaries. There's no such thing as a locally acting pill. It absolutely has to affect your pituitary gland. And your pituitary is the master hormonal controller for your whole system. So if it throws out of whack your ovulation, it affects every other pathway within the body as well. So that's what you need to remember. It's not a locally acting um, thing that's going to happen there. And this is why the side effects can be so horrendous. And this is what this abnormal cycle is what millions of women are experiencing every single month. And yet very few doctors are willing to discuss the consequences of taking these prescriptions for long periods, year after year after year. And that's what we'd like to talk about today. And some of these side effects can actually be devastating. They're very real risks. Yeah. So the average woman might experience breast enlargement. Which when you're in high school, that sounds pretty cool. Most teenage girls are quite excited when their breasts grow, you know, an entire cup size within a month. And it's like, whoa. But let's think of that. Let's break that down. So that increase in breast volume is from the effects of estrogen, but synthetic estrogen and we know synthetic chemicals or hormones within our system are not good for our bodies but to have that dramatic breast increase in size imagine what's happening to the breast tissue itself which is why there's a much higher prevalence of things like breast cancer with uh, the oral contraceptive pill we're going to come to that in a minute though so that's one of the the effects so breast enlargement um weight gain for a lot of women as well some Um, women will lose weight though that's another curiosity of the pill sometimes women report weight loss so you know how it interacts on your particularly unique body chemistry is something we can't predict and i guess it would also depend on the chemical concoction or the um the specifics that they put in the particular concoction or ingredients of that pill um some for some women they put on the pill for acne, so yeah. for hormonal acne. And it so can clear your skin up for that period of time. Reduce that, or it can actually exacerbate that as well. Which, also true, which is interesting. Um, a really important one here is mood swings, mm. because remember, if you're affecting your ovulation. You're affecting your brain. You're affecting your brain chemistry as well. Um, an incredible psychiatrist from the US, her name's Kelly Brogan, states that uh, when you're on the pill, because of its effects on your brain chemistry, it can actually exacerbate any underlying uh, psychiatric or psychological conditions like anxiety, depression, or it can manifest new ones. And... I know, actually, we've been speaking about this a little bit, some of the um, the effects that you experienced when you were on the pill. Um, do you want to go into that? Yeah, look, I think for the benefit of you guys listening, I really, it's always challenging to open up on very personal stories because it opens layers of, of yourself that you're exposing to, to others. And sometimes they're the things you want to keep quiet about. But because I believe so strongly about the serious side effects of dealing with and changing your own body chemistry 
my story is one that I've heard many, many times. So I'm going to share with you today because I think, you know, for those of you listening who may have a similar story, it may just trigger in you the opportunity to go and say, actually, maybe that's me too. And if I can just help one of you get out of the cycle you're in, I will feel really happy about reliving this story. But essentially, um, back towards the end of high school, I started on the contraceptive pill, Yasmin was the brand of it because it was considered the safest at that time, least amount of side effects. Um, interestingly, though, it was most expensive of all of them. It's the one that uh, is, is more expensive than the rest, but was willing to do the, the cost because of the side effect. And I was just told it was safe. At no time was I told about any risks in regards to blood clots and anything else like that. But let's just assume that, um, you know, it was on a packet somewhere. I just didn't read it because I'm 17 years old. I went on it because I have irregular cycles and I stayed on it for seven years. Now, I actually loved being on it because for two reasons. One, as an athlete, I got to skip bleeds when I wanted to and so I could compete state and national titles and never have to worry about the, the ooey-gooey, you know, potential um, bleeding while you're standing on a swimming block at a swimming carnival. Sorry, any girl who's ever had a bleed in a pool environment, it is horrifying and embarrassing. So for me to overcome embarrassing situations, that was an easy one to skip the placebos and go straight through the next month. So I could go six months without a bleed because I would just be happy to miss out on the uh, coinciding with events. Fast forward down the track towards seven years and um, let's just say I had noticed over a period of sort of four to six months a dark cloud coming across my life. Things were unraveling in personal lives and it seemed to feel as though I was in a state of depression and yet characteristically knowing myself I always I've always been a half full person I'm just a typically upbeat person not to say that's an excuse for feeling down but I always knew how to bounce out of it bad things happen in life you lose loved ones you care about it hurts there's pain there's there's grief and there's sadness but resilience comes through and, and you overcome that challenge to build that ability to cope with another challenge that comes your way. However, this time, smaller challenges were creating greater problems and I was in a really dark cloud, depressive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, and I won't even say suicidal in the true sense that I couldn't imagine picking up a knife and harming myself, but I was asking questions like, it wouldn't be too hard to drive into that pylon as I drive on the freeway, will it? Split second and wow. everything would change. I wouldn't feel this way. Oh, but I couldn't do that. And it's a self-talk that was dark and sinister. And I thought, who is this speaking? And I expressed that concern I had to friends of mine at uni. And one of the girls had previously had an experience similar. And she was like, are you on the pill? And I was like, yeah, of course. Get off the pill, she said to me. She said, if I can't say another thing to you, just get off the pill and see if it has any influence. I thought, oh, okay. Given where I was, it was worth trying. I can promise you within six weeks... It was almost as if all the fog had lifted. Yeah. All the dark thoughts went away. Clearly, the cumulative effect of mucking around with my endocrine system over time was staying present as a mental-emotional disorder as well. Exactly. That's a profound experience. Imagine if I'd acted on any of those thoughts. Yeah. You know, and how many women have had those experiences of deep mental-emotional trauma or dark spells, and they just have no idea they're connected to the pill. And they go to their doctor, and they inevitably get an antidepressant so now they've got a cocktail of the pill and an antidepressant and I'm laughing a little bit because I just think it's absurd and I'm seeing it happen so many times to so many women and I'm absolutely terribly frustrated by it you're absolutely right and Ash, that's really scary and that happens to so many women and most of them don't make the connection back to 
the fact that you know one thing that they're doing you know every single day and are not even thinking about it most women don't give a second thought to what the oral contraceptive pill is actually doing to their body one of the main reasons why there's such dramatic mood changes on the pill is because the effect that it has on serotonin and serotonin is your feel-good happy neurotransmitter and a lot of the antidepressant medications your ssris or your selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors so essentially they stop your body from uh, absorbing all your serotonin and keep it sort of flooding your system that's the action that they take and the pill actually depletes your system of serotonin Fascinating, and so there you go, and all and also the other mineral depletions as well. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So if you are on the pill, and if you are super happy being on the pill, and it's very convenient for your lifestyle, um, and you're using it for contraceptive purposes, look, that's okay. As long as you're informed about it, and as long as you know what it's doing to your system, and how you might need some other things that you might need to create balance where this is lacking. So it absolutely upsets the gut. Yeah, it destroys all those beneficial bacteria in the gut, so you can have more frequency of yeast infections, candida overgrowth, um, dysbiosis, all the things we've covered in other topics, haven't we? But also uh, nutrient and mineral depletion, okay? Most importantly, magnesium. Magnesium is also a precursor to serotonin, so you've got that double whammy there. Tyrosine, another one of our um, neurotransmitters. Uh, what else have we got there? It will absolutely deplete your B vitamins. Um, and these are all considered mild side effects if you read the packets too, by the way. So, you know, even scarier is what they consider major side effects. And that's when we go into larger, you know, consequences. And that includes things like the thromboembolus, blood clots, um, increased risks of cervical and breast cancer, increased risk of heart attack and stroke, um, migraines, high blood pressure. It's a really, really scary cocktail of side effects. These are real things, though, and this yeah. is happening. And you may have seen just recently uh, in the newspapers or in social media, um, a lot of women recently, and especially on the Yasmin pill, Ash, the one that you were taking, mm. an increased risk of stroke. Um, and lots of women have joined a class action suit against um, the Bayer, which is the pharmaceutical company that makes Yasmin, because of the prevalence of stroke among them. They've put aside uh, $250 million for suit actions in process. They've already paid out $750 million, that's a $1 billion uh, lawsuit against a single drug that they're producing, but the money doesn't mean anything to those women who's had their lives destroyed, who've suffered strokes, who are physically disabled, or in some cases, families who've lost loved ones that are directly attributed to the blood clots produced by taking the Yasmin pill. And I mean, there was a Danish study in 2011 of 1.3 million women, that's a lot of people, over nine years, and this was published in the British Medical Journal, and it found that a woman's risk of blood clots is a staggering six times higher when taking either Yas or Yasmin. All right, so the take-home from this right now, if you are on the pill, if you're really happy to be doing so and you're on Yasmin, speak to your GP about this because this might be something that you seriously consider swapping right now. It is increasing your risk of all of these things, especially if you've got other lifestyle factors that come into it. If there's any of those associations within your family, these are real risks you need to be discussing with your doctor or your gynecologist immediately. Um, I wouldn't be taking this stuff lightly. Um, There was even a letter, this is in the UK, a letter from the Committee of the Safety of Medicine um, that reported a doubling of the odds ratio of venous thromboemboli uh, with users of the pill. So it doubles your risk. 
Um, like this is serious. So, and these are things that you really need to be thinking about. The other thing that we want to look at is the increased uh, prevalence of breast cancer, cervical cancer, and endometrial cancer when taking synthetic hormones. Um, this is something that is quite controversial. There is a direct correlation between the increase of risk of breast cancer and endometrial cancer for women who are taking the oral contraceptive pill or you know, have hormonal intervention, um, especially over a long time. The other thing is also the increased risk of infertility and fertility issues. Because if we just break it down to you know, its most um, basic form, most women go on the pill because they have some kind of hormonal imbalance happening when they're in their early teenagehood. Those imbalances are usually so easy to fix and to address and to balance if we get them as a teenager. If you then add on 15 to 20 years of hormonal contraception, because most women spend the first half of their life desperately trying to avoid pregnancy and to find the one, the person who they actually want to fall pregnant with. But then because of that, because of those choices, they tend to spend the next half of their life desperately trying to get pregnant. And one of the saddest things that I've heard is that one of the leading pharmaceutical reps has been quoted saying that their best customer is a woman who's been on uh, or, you know, the birth control pill for 15 years and now comes off and wants to get pregnant because now she actually needs fertility intervention. And so and the costs are expensive. Yeah, the costs are absolutely you know, uh, mounting in the sense that you spent a life spending... Uh, your income on drugs to keep you away from things you want to avoid and now you're going to spend more money trying to fix the very things that the side effects of those drugs created so again we express our concerns with intervention in the body in a way that's synthetic and and not in keeping with your natural biology and natural chemistry and anytime you play around with those you know biochemical reactions and interactions it's really is Russian roulette. You're really rolling very dangerous dice. And whilst we know there are huge amounts of benefits and we acknowledge that openly, we are grateful for medical um, advancements over the last decades, we still go back to the foundation that nature provides, nature first, natural solutions first, and if all else fails, go down the path of the, the biotech yeah, yeah, exactly. Now let's look at some of the more interesting um, side effects that uh, you could kind of think are maybe a bit funny, but also very real as well. Um, I used to have a, a roommate, his name was Craig, and he was a pretty upfront, you know, Aussie bloke. And he would, hand on his heart, say, any woman he's ever been with that was on the pill was crazy. And he could tell whether or not his girlfriend was on the pill or was not because of the way that they emotionally responded to things. Because, you know, of all the things we've discussed before and how the pill actually affects your brain chemistry, the other thing that it does, which I think is really interesting, it changes a woman's pheromones and it changes the way that they interact with their mate. And studies have shown that women on the pill are much more content with less attractive partners than women who are not on the pill. How funny is that? So, ladies, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking about coming off the pill and then six months down the track, you're sort of looking at your husband going, hang on a second. (laughs) I'm very sorry about that. Um, But 
It's because it changes your own primal drives and your primal senses. Women are made to look for certain things within mates, just as men are attracted to certain things within women as well. And part of that is that that primal drive, and it really changes that. Um, Another study which I think is uh, funny as well is that uh, strippers who are on the pill make less money in tips than ones who are not. Wow, fascinating. And that's a little bit comes down to sexual libido, doesn't it? Because um, one of the consequences and side effects of being on a contraceptive uh, medicine is a reduced libido in many women. And so instead of what was created to be sexually liberating for women in the 50s has now turned into something that's actually turning off our sexual drive um, reducing the you know cervical mucus production, so then we're drier in terms of vaginally more dry, and that's reducing our sexual pleasure as well. Not to mention wondering why we feel not as sexually attracted to our partner, or wondering whether it's a problem with our choice of partner because we can't seem to get turned on by our partner. Not realizing it has nothing to do with our desire and our love for our partner. It's actually the biochemical interaction of the oral contraceptive or the contraception that you're on that's affecting the libido and that's really sad because we're then again not being our full expression of who we are and how we are and yeah I think that's a really huge thing the scary thing over time, and you mentioned the, the cervical mucus that's produced by what's called the cervical crypts that sit just above the, the cervix there, so the transition from the vagina into the, the uterus, the cervical crypts produce you know, our cervical mucus, which is a really, really important part of our um, hormonal changes. It uh, produces lots of different functions. But over time, with the pill, it actually atrophies those crypts or it actually wears them away it's almost like drying them up yeah yeah exactly um and it almost affects women as if they're going into early menopause so it creates the the atrophying of the vaginal muscles and the vaginal walls um for women who are in the prime of their life when they should be really nice and juicy yeah and fertile absolutely and this is changing that so if you you're sitting listening and well okay great some of those things um are my concern Great, love to know it, but uh, I'm more concerned that I just don't want to fall pregnant. Well, I asked the question, have you ever truly understood what your fertility cycle is? Do you know what your menstrual cycle is? Do you understand your own personal menstrual rhythms? Because if you don't, then I can understand completely why you never want to go off the pill. Because without that knowledge and information, you're always going to have that little doubt and seed in your mind, oh, but if I have unprotected sex, I'll fall pregnant. And every single time you have that interaction, you're going to be worried and concerned about whether or not you're falling pregnant, taking unnecessary pregnancy tests in case you felt suddenly gone pregnant and wondering if you need the morning after pill. Um, and yet, really, if you understood your biology a little bit better, you'd feel so much more empowered. Since I went off the pill, my husband and I, I've had unprotected sex, sex since we you know, have been together pretty much and we made those agreements and we obviously had you know, clean discussions about our beliefs on sexual interaction and, of course, our sexual histories for prevention of STD transfer and all the rest, um, but have selectively made a choice to go with natural fertility prevention methods. So, Ash, what you're talking about is fertility awareness or we're using the rhythm method or the billings method here to chart your cycle, to understand the hormonal changes that happen within the cycle, to recognize your body's signs and symptoms 
of ovulation and using that information to prevent pregnancy. Yeah, because I um, think contraception is such a personal choice. Yes, definitely. And we're not here to say what's better or worse, but present the risks that are involved with changing your body chemistry when there's actually some incredibly good options for you there that are natural and safe and if anything will get your body so much more in tune with mother earth and our earth ribbons you know our moon cycles if you've not heard the word moon cycle and understand your fertility and whether you're a white moon cycle or a red moon cycle i'd actually encourage you to go and look that up right now because a lot of women have never heard the terms you know white cycle red cycles and understand how we ovulate in relation to moon and that's really quite fascinating we'll go into that another time but uh it's very interesting our bodies are amazing and it gives you such clear signs and signals as to what's happening for you hormonally throughout the month that you can actually utilize and and use as your own form of contraception if that's what you choose now we're not going to give you enough information today on that that is a whole podcast onto its own i do an entire workshop just on that called secret rooms business um but it is really powerful information So let's wrap up. Um, So today we've been talking about the oral contraceptive pill, you know, synonymous with any other type of hormonal intervention. Um, There's a plethora of different, um, you know, options that women have there. Originally, it was created for such good, powerful reasons to really liberate women and help them with choices. However, now it's used as a fix for everything. So we want to give you some tips, some take-homes here. If you are on the pill and you're very, very happy doing so, there's a few things that I would suggest for you right now, and you need practitioner-grade prescription-only supplementation. There's no two ways about this, and some of the things that you would require would be a B-complex, B-vitamins, probably a really good quality omega-3 as well. Uh, Magnesium supplementation. Absolutely. Magnesium supplementation and probiotics too. And that is just as a baseline. Um, To protect yourself against the side effects of the depletion over time of uh, long-term contraceptive use. Absolutely. Now, if you're hearing this and you're going, okay, it's and you've been thinking about it anyway and it's time for you to make a change and you're ready to come off the pill, I want you to understand that there's actually some things that may or may not happen. Um, generally, women will experience one of two things. So either when they come off the pill, their hormones will go haywire because they haven't had to do anything for such a long time and all of a sudden your body's gone, oh my God, we've got so much work to do here. Or nothing will happen and these kind of fit into the category of what's called um, post-birth control syndrome so it's a hormonal imbalance that happens after coming off the pill it can be really really normal it does take a few months to start to regulate and there's lots of things that you can do to make sure that you are getting in balance but this is something you want to talk to your health practitioners about and on that note, liver detoxification is critical if you're coming off the pill. It doesn't matter how long you've been on it for, but part of the liver's role is actually to detox some of those excess hormones. So that is going to be a really important thing that you're going to need to look at too. And you might remember from the previous episodes, if you've been interested in, in what we've been presenting as well, where do the extra, excess estrogen get stored in the body? In fat, yeah, in fat cells. So having a liver that's clearing out any of these byproducts and then converting your lifestyle improving it and looking at how you can lose weight and get your chemistry right you've got to have a way to clear out these excess estrogens otherwise they're going to create a plethora of side effects of this overload of estrogen so again looking at how those interactions occur and why it's just so important to take a holistic approach 
to the return to normal function and get some help, get some support and use your practitioners, use your integrated medical doctors. There's a lot of great doctors out there that are bringing in layers of not just conventional medicine, but using some traditional medicine techniques that are going to really help women shift away from pharmaceuticals into safe supplementation. And uh, look, if you did initially go onto the pill for reasons of hormonal imbalance, you know, hormonal acne, all of those sorts of things, you need to address what the underlying cause is because oftentimes the pill will just mask but exaggerate or exacerbate a lot of these things. If you're scared to come off the pill because you know that your hormonal acne is going to come back or you're going to get those crampings or regularity again, there are a lot of things you can do to support your system before you come off the pill. You can have a gentle transition, but again, you're going to need to work with your practitioners. Uh, Ladies, if you need more information, please don't hesitate to contact us. We would love to know what your experiences have been with your own contraceptive choices. Um, Communicate with us on Facebook Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women or on our website, www.thewellnesswomen.com.au and we would really love to hear from you. Um, also, feel free to leave us a rating on iTunes, give us five stars if you, if you uh, feel that we have earned it. Um, and yeah, just to wrap up, this is your own personal choice, but remember the pill doesn't actually fix anything. So we encourage you to get out there, explore the natural options available to you, ask questions that you may not have asked before. Don't just assume it's doing one thing and then find out the side effects are actually something you've been masking with another drug or another supplement or something to try and deal with side effects you may never have connected to the pill. And um, yeah, do make your own personal choice based on knowledge. Knowledge is power and then using that knowledge for the better of you is what's making wellness women across the world. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have an amazing week ahead and we look forward to chatting to you again next week. Be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.